0: And as you listen, I pray that you are encouraged and that you would be conformed more and more to the image of Jesus Christ, as we behold him in his glory. So thank you for tuning in and enjoy. So a little bit about me, every year, this is something that's quite big about me, that's when I am starting with this. Every year, my wife and her extended family take a vacation in the summer. Does anyone else take a family vacation in the summer? Some of you, growing up, I always went to a different place every year, which I thought was pretty fun, but my wife's family goes to the same place every year, and it is a very special place. I've now been four times, and I've really enjoyed it, and we, every year, journey to the state of Washington. And we go in the state of Washington to a little slice of heaven called Lake Chelan. Lake Chelan. Now, we are not alone in this pilgrimage to the state of Washington, 2,500 miles each way. That would be a long way to walk. Um, But we journey there to meet aunts and uncles, cousins, extended family, friends, all that sort of thing. And we stay there at a campground. I like to read books while I'm there. Uh, We play games. Baseball is my favorite. Um, Pretty competitive in that regard. Uh, We hang out. We have fellowship together. We study God's word. We eat together. And we eat way too much ice cream as if there could be a thing. We all know no such thing as too much ice cream. But what makes Lake Chelan so special and so enjoyable to be at is the lake itself that we swim in. It is crystal clear and it is ice cold. And that, right there, convinces me that there is no better place to jump in on a 95-degree, sizzling hot summer day than Lake Chelan. It doesn't get any better than that. Every year, before I arrive at the lake, I change into my swimming trunks. Because, as soon as I show up, I sprint right down to the lake and run as fast as I can and dive and submerge myself in the healing waters of Lake Chelan. <laughs> and it is a joyous moment. But... Something about Lake Chelan is that it's very deep, very, very deep. In fact, it's the third deepest lake in the entire United States. There's only two deeper than it, and it reaches a peak depth of 1,486 feet, 1,486 feet, which is a lot. And to visualize that, it could actually swallow the entire Sears Tower, Willis Tower, and still have 35 feet of water on top of it. So, like, this whole, the biggest skyscraper in the, in the city of Chicago, one of the biggest in the world, could be submerged by this lake. It is huge. And what is incredible to me when I think about this is that when I swim out into the waters and can see 30 or 50 or maybe even 80 feet down, I still know that there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of feet of water beneath me. Pretty scary pretty hard to understand, it's pretty hard to fathom, and I can't quite fathom how deep that truly is, and the truth is, is that none of us can really have a good grasp on things that are way bigger than us, but that doesn't mean that we should not try. So tonight, we are going to be looking at the infinity of God, the infinity of God. If you're just joining us, um, we are in the middle of a series, Daniel led us off last week, talking about the trinity Um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And tonight we're going to be looking at another big attribute of who God is. And in order to begin, I think it would be helpful to start with the definition. Definitions are good and they help us. And a good definition of the word infinite would be this To be infinite means to be limitless or endless in space, endless in extent, endless in size. To be impossible to measure or to calculate. And now even as we hear this definition, we see that the infinity of God is not one specific characteristic. Our definition tells us that something that is infinite, namely God, here in our situation, has no size. He has no boundaries. He cannot be contained within time. He extends beyond time. You cannot measure God. You cannot calculate God. He is beyond all of our understanding. So as we think about this, know that the infinity of God is not just one particular characteristic bottom. It's not like the love of God or the justice of God or the holiness of God. But instead, the infinity kind of encompasses all of those. And it qualifies, it shows to what extent does God love? God loves infinitely. To what extent is God just? God is infinitely just so it qualifies each of the other attributes and what this means is that every biblical characteristic of god is infinitely great it reaches forever it has no bounds many of us believers know and have seen personally that god is kind to us god is kind to us and he's not just kind in certain ways or to a certain extent but he's infinitely kind what that means is that God could not possibly be more kind to you. Impossible. God could not possibly love believers more than he does. Impossible. God is love, and his love is infinite for his people, could not possibly be increased. God is all-powerful. His strength has no end. And no number of reps in the heavenly gym could ever grow his biceps. <laughs> They're already there, okay? Can't grow anymore. He's in- eternal. eternal. There could never be a limit to his existence. There could be no boundary of time that contains what he has lived in, how long he will live, how long he has lived. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He knows all things. There is absolutely zero information in this entire universe that God does not grasp. Pretty crazy. No act no word, no thought, no intention that you and I have ever had, that has ever occurred in the universe, is apart from God's knowledge. God sees it all. God has a complete understanding of everything. He knows all. His knowledge is infinite. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. And now, I will say, disclaimer, it can be hard to learn about the attributes of God without seeing stuff, without having representations, without um, visualizing things. And even though these visualizations, these analogies fall short of God, something that's on earth could never truly represent what God is like, it gives us a glimpse. And because of that, it is worth studying. So I have an illustration. Is it okay if I showed that to you tonight? Yeah, all right, cool. So I'm going to turn off these lights. We're going to turn off all those lights. And Daniel in the back will turn off some more lights. Oh, I didn't think this through. Now I can't see my nose. It's okay. It's in my heart. This candle right here represents our knowledge of God. It represents what we can see of who God is. This candle lights us up in the dark. It provides direction for us as we walk. It gives us the ability to see. It provides comfort. Maybe some of you still sleep with a nightlight. Me, too. Um, (laughs) It comforts us. It is helpful for us to have this, and it is good to appreciate it because this image of God is true though it is far from complete. See, the true understanding of God is a little more like this. Whoa! That is the God that we serve. That is the God that we know, and that is the God that we search for as we read the Scripture. Thank you, Daniel. Yes, our little candle of understanding is biblical. It's true. But it is far from everything. And you can spend your entire life searching to know who God is, which you should. I encourage. I plead that you do that. But know that you will never reach the boundary because he is infinite, which is a great comfort to us. There are no borders to our God. Even seeing that light that is considerably brighter than the candle, God's knowledge, God's nature extends a thousand million times beyond that. Okay? Bigger than we can understand. Now, maybe as you're hearing this, you feel like I kind of did when thinking, well, infinity is a really hard concept for me to grasp. Infinity doesn't really make sense to me. That is good. That's a right thought. Because we are finite. We can't ever fully comprehend infinity. It's technically impossible for our brains to comprehend infinity. And if we knew everything about God, that would make God not God. So it is good. (laughs) And now, I say this word finite, and I think this is another word that's worth defining. To be finite is the opposite of infinite. To be finite means that you live and exist within limits. You have boundaries to what you can do, to what you can think, to how you think it. There are boundaries to everything about us because we are finite. You are in this room hearing my voice and not JT's voice in the student center because your ears... ...have a finite range of hearing. There's a limit to them. You are sitting here and not also within the gym... ...because your body is finite. It cannot be in two places at once... ...but only one. Perhaps you're trying to listen to the sermon... ...but you really have to use the restroom... ...because your bladder has a finite amount of space in it. And you're really (laughs) cursing that right now. There's many, many examples... ...that I could come up with... ...that you could come up with... ...in thinking how we are limited. All of our nature is limited... 6th graders, 7th graders, 8th graders, I know you guys have recently begun your school year, trying to get in the groove of studying and extracurriculars and even waking up on time. That was hard for me. But the truth is is that sooner than you realize it, your days, being a 6th, 7th, and 8th grader, will come to completion. They will be done. Your days will end because they can be counted. They are finite. Then you'll begin summer once you are done with your grade. But that will also unfortunately end because the days in summer are also able to be counted. They are finite. Maybe you've experienced this truth in a different way, though. Maybe you've had friends that you were really close with at some point in your life, and now you hardly even know them. It's because sometimes our friendships show themselves to be finite as they are. Perhaps you've had a close family member or a friend even passed away, and that hurts, hurts really bad. And in that moment, we feel the sting that our lives are coming to a completion because they are finite. The truth is that all of us only have a certain number of years that we will live, myself included, each of you. We will only be on this earth for so long, and then we will die. All parts of our life on this earth are finite. Here's another example. Let's think of the number of hairs on your head. So for me, I can't, I can't do this as well because I have really short hair. But try to count the number of hairs on your head. Girls with long hair, or guys if you have long hair. Try and just, just spend about three seconds and you'll quickly realize that this is really hard. I can't even do that with my arm hair. and There's considerably less than that on someone's head. And yet, Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verse 7, that every single one of the hairs on your head is numbered. God knows the number of hairs on your head. And he also knows the number of hairs on the head of the person next to you. So say to the person next to you, God knows the number of hairs on your head. <laughs> it's crazy. God knows all of us and, and high school. There's no one that he does not know the number of hairs on his head, which is crazy. And not only hairs, but God knows the number of cells that are within your body. And there are hundreds and thousands of cells in every single piece of hair. Scientists don't know this, but they estimate that there are 32 trillion cells in the human body. Which, 32 trillion, we all know that that's a lot. But what does that really mean? Here's an example. One million seconds equals 12 days. 1 billion seconds equals 31 years. 1 trillion seconds, 31,366 years. That's how big trillion is. Crazy. We can't, that blows our head. Because the things that are much bigger than we often realize make our brains short circuit. Because we just, I don't get that. Beyond me, right? But it's good to have pictures of that. Because when we think about the millions of galaxies in the universe that each have millions of stars that are each hundreds of millions of miles apart, it's great for us to remember that God can number them all. God knows them all. God has them all written down. He has names for every one of them. These numbers inevitably blow our minds. Yet even the greatest numbers within our universe have an end, and God knows that end. The truth is, we lose sight of the infinite nature of God very, very quickly. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Job. It's in the Old Testament, before Psalms. So if you have your Bible, split it in half. You'll probably end up near Psalms. Go a little bit before that, and you'll run into Job. Job chapter 11. Job chapter 11. Before Psalms, right? Closely before Psalms. Job chapter 11, we're going to be looking at verse 7. If you got it, say got it. Got it. That means anyway, a few more seconds. That's okay. As you're turning there, um, this is a quotation from one of the friends of Job. And I'm sure it would do us all some good to read it, think on it. Uh, Job when he receives this, is enduring great suffering. He's really suffering. All the things in his life are falling apart. He can't hold himself together, and he's been losing sight of what God is really like. His friends, though, remind him of the truth. I'm going to read in verse 7. Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven. What can you do? It is deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Junior Higher, can you find the limit to God? No. Neither can I. Neither could any of us if we joined forces and created a super brain with a hundred of us and spent our whole existence trying to figure out who God was. Never did there. Not even come close. Not even scratch the surface. We could search. Higher than heaven, and we could search lower than hell, and we would never find the boundaries of who God is. God is infinite, and his infinite nature never stops. Never. And as you might have realized already as I've begun my sermon and gone into it, is that there's a lot of different places that we can go when thinking about the infinite nature of God. There's a lot of different paths that you can think about how God's lived forever. God has all the strength that he could ever have. God loves us infinitely. But there is one place that I want to camp on for the rest of our time this evening. And it's because God has laid it on my heart. And I truly believe it is relevant to you and where you are right now has to do with value. Before we dive into that, I want to ask you a question. What is the most valuable thing in your house to you? Rhetorical. Don't answer. What is the most valuable thing in your house to you? Notice that question. It's personal. I'm not asking what is the thing in your house that has the highest price tag. I'm asking what is the item that would be the hardest for you to give up? What is the item that would be the hardest to replace? What is the item that you would give the most to get back? Maybe for some of you, it's your Xbox. Or your PlayStation. Maybe for some of you it's your phone. Maybe for some of you it is your snap streak with your best friend. Which I really hope it's not. Maybe it is some medal that you've received for doing something amazing. Maybe it's an award you've gotten for accomplishment that you worked really hard to achieve. All of these things have value to us because they help us or they comfort us. Or they encourage us. Or maybe they do a combination of each of these. And you can fill in the blank. I didn't list them all. It would be very hard to give these things up. And often even harder to get them back. But all of these things have a start date. The day that they were made or earned or purchased. And they will all have an end date. They will break. They will become ruined. They will become obsolete. They will fade from your memory. Or... Maybe they will even lose our interest. They are all, like us, finite. Finite. They have an end. Everything that we have ever known, or loved, or cherished, or pursued, or sacrificed in order to get in this world will come to an end. Its value one day will be zero. There is only one thing in this universe that has an infinite value. A value that extends beyond all of our understanding, a value that will never be tarnished, it will never be diminished, it will never be made less. It could never be replaced and certainly not ever lost. And that thing is the Lord. His name is the Lord, the creator of the universe and the sustainer of all life, the one who is putting breath in your lungs every time you breathe in and pulling it out every time. And breathe out. He is upholding the universe by the word of his power. Isaiah forty twenty eight says, Have you not known? Have you not seen? Have you not heard? The Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint. He does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And as the creator of all things, he's also the owner of all things. He possesses everything and needs nothing. His value could never be numbered in dollars or diamonds. No amount of gold could ever purchase God. He owns it all. It's all his. The Bible says that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Great picture that God is infinite and he is infinitely valuable. He's also infinitely worthy of your praise. He's infinitely worthy of my praise. He is worthy of your life, not just your Wednesday night or your Sunday morning. But he's worthy of every morning and every afternoon and every evening and every activity that you ever do. If you lived every single moment to the glory of God perfectly, you would never give God enough glory. God would always deserve more. He would always deserve more than we can give. In his hand alone is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Junior, higher, don't miss this. God is big. He is mighty and He is powerful, and He has expectations for your life. He has expectations for my life. He is infinitely righteous, and the only way that we could ever approach such a God is to meet those expectations. And you don't. I don't meet those expectations. This should humble us a lot more than it does. This should bow us low before our God, because He is infinitely holy. Please, for a moment, truly ponder your condition before God, an infinite God. God would be a liar if He accepted you in your present state into heaven. Because that would mean that God would be passing over sin, which would mean that God is unjust. And God is just. He is perfectly just. He is infinitely just. And there is only, therefore, one way that the justice of God could ever be satisfied. Because God is infinitely wrathful towards sinners who do not repent. And the only penalty, there's only one penalty that could truly pay that debt, and that's an eternity of suffering in a place called hell. It's real, it's serious. Have you ever thought about this? I know you guys are young, but I know that this is not beyond your ability to understand. And it is humbling to think about this, but it is good. It is right. Because it makes what I have to say next infinitely greater. God, in his infinite love and infinite wisdom, was not pleased sending all of mankind to the end that it rightly deserves. Instead, he sent... His infinitely valuable Son. The Son of God. To live a life that you and I could never live. The Son of God was despised. He was rejected. By all of mankind. He was made nothing. He expressed no royalty when He was on earth. He received no praise. He partook in no glory when He deserved all of it. All of it was due Him. He was not given a crown of the finest gold on earth. He was given a crown of bloody thorns. And it was our sin. It was my sin that put that crown on his head. It was your sin that did the same. The only one who could pay such a debt that we have amassed is the infinitely valuable Son of God. And the only way that he could do that is by forfeiting his life in glory. Seated at the right hand of the Father forever. God... Abandon his throne to come to this earth on our behalf for the sake of all who believe. Isaiah 57, 15 tells us that though the Lord dwells in unapproachable light in the holy places, he also dwells within the heart of those who are lowly and have a contrite spirit. Praise God for that. My prayer tonight is that you would seek that. And that in seeking that, you would enjoy God Infinitely, In a way that the world can never satisfy. Though it offers and it promises, it will always underwhelm. And you will be left empty and devoid of joy. And it's because it's found in God and all these other things are promising it to you and you're chasing after it. It's the human condition. And instead, every day we must seek the Lord by faith and trust in His promise that He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will forever be by our side. And He will always love us. That is a great truth. And in closing, I want to share the lyrics of just one line of of one of my favorite hymns, which speaks to the act whereby Jesus changed His nature for yours and mine. It says, His robes for mine, such anguish none can know. Christ, God's beloved condemned as though his foe. Jesus was condemned as though the foe, the enemy of God. He, Jesus, as though I, accursed and left alone. I, as though he, embraced and welcomed home. Let that soak into your soul tonight. Let's pray.